Praise the Lord. I want us to get right into the Word of God today. I know time is quickly slipping away, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. This morning, I want to preach to you along the lines. If I had to give this sermon a title, it would simply be this, the King of Glory. The King of Glory. You see, this particular psalm, Psalm 24, is a psalm of ascent. It's a psalm of upward movements. It is a psalm of rising movements. In this psalm, we will climb together and we will travel up the mountain of God or the mountain of glory together. How many remembers what we are decreeing and declaring for this year as the Set Free Family for 2023 that this is what? The year of the resets. Amen? And that we are being reset back to the glory of God. So in this psalm, as we break it down verse by verse, line by line, we together are going to literally climb up because it is a psalm of ascent. We are going to climb up from the base of the mountain to the pinnacle part of the mountain. This is the mountain of God. It is the mountain of glory, and we will keep ascending until we behold God and until we behold His glory, until we behold the King of glory Himself. Anybody ready to have an encounter today with the King of glory? In this psalm, we will learn intricate details, attributes, and characteristics of who the king of glory is and to what he desires to do in and through his people. Are you ready? So let us dig in. Psalm 24, starting in verse 1, and it says this, The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Verse 3, it asks us this question. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? You see, right here, we are being extended an invitation to ascend into the mountain of God and His glory. How many is thankful for that today? We are being extended an invitation to ascend into the mountain of God and His glory. You see, when I look around the church world today, Beyond denominational barriers, I see too many of us who are content and satisfied with camping out at the base of the mountain. Now notice what I said. I said this particular psalm that was written by the psalmist David, it is a psalm of ascent, 
meaning that we are climbing up a thing, meaning that we are to be going to a higher place in God. How many wants to go to a higher place, a higher dimension, a higher realm of reality in the presence and the glory of God? You see, that ought to be every one of our hearts cry today and our hearts desire but there are too many of us i'm afraid that are content that are satisfied that are complacent with simply camping out at the base of this mountain this mountain that is referred to as the mountain of god and the mountain of his glory but i don't know about you today but at 38 years of age, I'm not content with where I have been at. I'm not content nor satisfied with my past previous experiences that I have had encountering his presence and encountering his glory. But today I stand before you with a hunger, with a thirsting that is within my spirit and that is within my innermost being that is crying out for more of the living. God that is crying out for more of the presence of God that is crying out for more of the glory of God and that is what I declare today over this house and that is what I declare today over this body of believers that we're no longer going to be satisfied with status quo religion we're no longer going to be satisfied with business as usual but as for me and my house we're going to climb up a little bit higher on this mountain on the mountain of God on the mountain of his glory because I promise you baby there are places in God that you have yet to see that you have yet to witness that you have yet to experience for the Bible says that eyes have not seen nor ears heard what our God has prepared for them that love him and are are called according to his purpose and so many times when we hear that scripture we think about the sweet by and by we think about hereafter we think about eternity but I'm telling you what I'm not waiting until I get there but I can have all of God that I want on this side of heaven are you hungry for more of him are you thirsty for more of him hallelujah talking about the king of glory you see we've been given this invitation to ascend into the mountain of God to ascend into the mountain of his glory but we must understand today that we were never called to dwell at the base of the mountain did you hear what I said I said we were never called to dwell at the base of the mountain no we wasn't See, I'm not trying to be rude today. I'm not trying to ridicule you or to beat you up or to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to get you to go up a little bit higher with me. Because there's a good percentage of us today, we're satisfied right here at the base of the mountain. Did you hear what I said? Because at the base of the mountain, it's comfortable. At the base of the mountain, there's security. At the base of the mountain, there is ease. But if you hear the Holy Ghost that I'm listening to, I hear the Lord saying it's time for you to go up a little bit higher. 
That's the commission that is being released to this body of believers. It's time that we stop being satisfied at the base of the mountain. And it's time that we join in with the psalmist David when he said, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in that most holy place? It's time for us to go up, church. It's time for us to go up a little bit higher. We must understand, again, that we were never called to dwell at the base of the mountain. But we must understand today that without reservation, that we were called and we were created to climb. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I was created to climb. Come on, it's in your DNA. It is, it is in your very fabric. It is uh, who you are today. You are a climber. The Holy Ghost that is on the inside of you is quickening your mortal being right now and saying it's time for you to climb up a little bit higher. You were created to climb. You were called to ascend into this mountain of God. You see, this is why oftentimes that the scriptures compare you and I as believers compares us to the eagle. How many knows the Bible compares us oftentimes to that as of an eagle? Why is that? Because you see, the eagle is always soaring. Did you hear what I said? I said the eagle is always soaring. It is always climbing to greater heights. That's why the prophet Isaiah declared in chapter 40 and verse 31. He said, but those that wait upon the Lord. Nobody wants to wait on him. Nobody wants to tarry any longer. You see, we're living in such a culture and such, such an age that we put so many time restraints on the presence of God, on the glory of God. But the Bible still says, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall what? They shall mount up. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but I believe God is about to release a wind from heaven. That if you'll open up your sails, if you'll spread your wings like that of an eagle, I believe you about to go from one level to the next level. Is anybody ready to soar today? Is there anybody ready to take flight today? You see, this is why Jesus commissioned John in the book of Revelation in chapter 4 when he told him, he said, come up higher. Come up higher. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to go up higher today. That's why the scriptures use terminology such as this, going from strength to strength, going from faith to faith, going from glory to glory. You see, uh, this, this walk that we are in with God, this, this, uh, this relationship that we have with his kingdom, it is not a place for us ever to become satisfied, to ever become complacent, but this is an ever crescendoing walk, an ever crescendoing relationship. It is time, it is high time today that we go up another realm in the presence and the glory of God. You see, the reason why many never make this climb, this ascent, is because they realize that it's going to cost them something. And they're just not willing to pay the price. Did you hear what I said? 
I said, the reason why so many are camped out at the base of this mountain, my friend, my brother, my sister, is because you're not willing to pay what it's going to cost for you to climb the mountain. How many knows climbing a mountain is, is not for the faint of hearts? Climbing a mountain is hard work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you, climbing this mountain, the mountain of God, the mountain of his glory, I promise you it's going to cost you something. But are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to make the sacrifice? Are you willing to make the commitment? Because it will cost you something. You see, this ascent, it will be challenging. Yes, it will. It will be challenging. In the ascent, we will oftentimes, hear me, in the ascent, we will oftentimes lose stuff. That's why, that's why there's so many that's at the base still. That's why there's so many that's looking, at, that's looking at other people climbing this mountain and they want what they have. They want the experience that they have, but they're not willing to pay the price because they know that a part of paying the price means that they're going to have to lose some stuff. And they're simply not willing to lose their stuff. But I come to tell somebody today, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I have to lay down. I don't care what I have to say goodbye to. Can I tell you what some of the most powerful words that you could ever say is simply goodbye. Goodbye. Because the, the truth is, I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you respect them. I don't care how long you've been in a relationship with these people. Not everybody can go where you're going. And until you're willing to let go and to let God, and until you're willing to say goodbye... You'll never ascend the mountain of God. I said the reason why so many are still at the base because they're afraid of what they're going to have to say goodbye to. They're afraid of what they're going to have to lay down. I'm here to tell you, though none go with me, still I will follow. You didn't hear what I said today. I said, though none go with me, still I will follow because I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm following Jesus. I'm not in it for the applause. I'm not in it for the pat on the back. I'm not in it for the spotlight. I'm not in it for the accolades. All I want is more of him. All I want is to stay connected to the vine. All I want is to hear, well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. It doesn't matter what you got to say goodbye to. It doesn't matter what you got to let go of. It will be worth it in the end. Hallelujah. You see, we must understand today that what we will lose pales in comparison to what we will gain. Did you hear what I said? I said it's going to be worth it. It doesn't matter the price you have to pay. It doesn't matter what you have to say goodbye to. It doesn't matter what you have to lay down. I'm telling you anything and everything that you lose, I promise you what you will gain, it will cause it to pale in comparison. Yes, it will. Let's go on to verse 4, Psalm 24. Look with me. After we receive this invitation to ascend into the hill of the Lord, it tells us the qualifications that if you're going to be successful in this ascension, that if you're going to be successful in the climbing of this mountain, the qualifications. In verse 4 it says this, He who has clean hands, And a pure hearts. Is that not what it says? 
See, everybody says, oh, I want the glory, Pastor. Everybody wants the move of God. Everybody wants revival. Everybody wants awakening in this nation. Everybody wants the power. Everybody wants the anointing. But my Bible still says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Can I tell you there are prerequisites to those of us, if we really mean what we say we mean today, that we're ready to ascend into this mountain of glory, into the mountain of God. There are prerequisites that if we are going to survive this mountain, that if we are going to climb with great success, we too have to have clean hands, and we have to have a pure heart. And we have to say goodbye to every idol that we have allowed the enemy and our flesh to erect in our life. You see, this speaks of the importance of keeping yourself clean. Huh? This speaks of the importance of keeping yourself clean and pure before the Lord. Does it not? He said, he who has clean hands. He who has a pure heart. It, it speaks of the necessity of walking before God in purity and in holiness. Oh God, I, I just lost the amens. Because you see, terminology like that won't get you on, on the hotline on, on YouTube and Facebook and, and TikTok and, and on all these other broadcasts and networks. Because these have become taboo words in our modern day church culture. We have developed a philosophy and a mindset, a mentality. Well, you just come to Jesus as you are. And that's true. You come to him as you are. But I promise you that if you encounter the Jesus of this Bible, you will forever be changed by his power, by his presence, and by his glory. The Bible still says all things will pass away. Behold, all things shall become new. You shall be a new creation in Christ Jesus. You say, well, pastor, I just, you know, I just feel like I can still do this and I can still do that because this is the age of grace. That's your problem. You see, there's a problem when our mindset is how much can I do and get by with it and still slide into heaven. And see, that's where a lot of the North American church is at today. They're not interested in living lives of consecration living lives of purity, righteousness, and holiness. They were they, they too busy trying just to do just enough to get them by. Hold hands with the devil and hold hands with God at the same time. But how many knows that our God is a jealous God? And our God will not cohabitate with demons. You think you're going to sleep with devils and shout on Sunday morning? I promise you it ain't going to work. I promise you you're going to find yourself shipwrecked before you can ever realize. Because my Bible says if you want to climb this mountain, you're going to have to have clean hands and a pure heart. What does that mean? Let me tell you what we got it wrong in the church world for so long. Decades. See, this is the kind of stuff right here. This is why so many hate me. Oh, amen. I love you. I love you. This is why the religious people hate people like me. Because I expose their nonsense and their foolishness. 
Let me tell you, I have a whole lot more patience with a homosexual and the drunk addict and the meth head than I do an old hard-hearted religious Pharisee. I don't have no patience for them. And you want to know where we at and where we've been at for decades in the church? We taught purity and holiness as it was an outward apparel. Well, if you'll dress like me, if you'll look like me, if you'll talk like me, if you'll wear your hair a certain length, no makeup, no jewelry, let me tell you, you can dress a pig up, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. He said purity of heart, purity of heart, purity of heart. Let me tell you where holiness begins. It's not a dress code. It's not you carrying your 1611 King James Version Bible. Our holiness begins in the heart of man. What holiness looks like, it's not a three-piece suit. It's not a dress that goes all the way down to your ankle. It's not a hairdo. It's not makeup or no makeup, jewelry or no jewelry. What holiness looks like is you love your neighbor as you love yourself even as you love your enemies he said a pure heart he said clean hands and I promise you if you'll surrender your heart to God and you allow the Holy Ghost to take a boat within your heart and your spirit he'll clean up the outside I said he'll clean up the outside Jesus. He said, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. You say, well, I, I just want to look nice. That's all right. You can look nice. But let me tell you, can I go ahead and be real with you today? I've been in this thing all my life. They sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm churched out. I've been in this thing all my life. Come on, some of y'all don't understand that. They can look the part. They can dress the part. But let me tell you, some of the most hateful, mean-spirited, racist people that I have ever met, they look the parts. They know how to put on their fake smile. They know how to say, God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. This is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. How about this one? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We know the Christianese. We know the lingo. We know the phrases. Oh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes, you can quote it until you blew in the face, but can I tell you who knows the word better than you do? It's the devil himself. Can I tell you who can speak in tongues more than you can? The devil's always got a counterfeit for everything that is genuine and everything that is real. I'm here to tell you today, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, they shall see God I said this speaks of purity it speaks of holiness holiness begins in the heart but notice it also said and he who has not lifted up his soul to an idol can I teach that for a minute you say idolatry that was a wicked sin of the Old Testament where they erected graven images and they bow down to them, and they worship them. Yeah, that's true. But can I tell you that ancient old sin is still prevalent in the modern church today? 
Can I tell you what? We've made idols out of. We're not worshiping statues, but we're worshiping styles. And we're worshiping programs. We're worshiping genres. We're worshiping uh, methods. We're worshiping our own opinions. We're worshiping our own man-made religious duties and systems and fabrics. Let me tell you what. If, it is, if you put your opinion, if you put your style, if you put your preference before God himself, it is an idol. I don't care how holy you think it is. I don't care how sacred you think it is. We have too many people that are worshiping the church and they're not worshiping Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that if you're going to climb this mountain you got to be willing to allow God to crash down every idol that you've allowed to be erected in your life. I got to move on. Verse 5. Look with me. It says he shall receive blessing. How many wants a blessing today? Who will? Those who have clean hands. Those who have a pure heart. Those who are not satisfied with camping out at the base of the mountain, but those who are ready to climb. Those who are ready to ascend the mountain of God. Those who are ready to let go of anything that they have to let go of. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Notice what it says. This is Jacob. Somebody say, this is Jacob. This is the generation of those who seek him. And what does the last part say? Those who seek your face. Those who seek your face. See, the scriptures have declared to us that this is the generation of Jacob. Do you remember the story of Jacob in your Bible? Who was Jacob? Yeah, he was a trickster. He was dishonest. Some would say he was a liar. But let me tell you what, Joseph, I mean, Jacob had an encounter with God himself. He thought he was wrestling an angel, a messenger of God, but he, little did he know that he was wrestling God himself. How many wants to get in a wrestling match with God? I don't. <laughs> but he was in a wrestling match, if you will, with God himself all night long. Until what? The Bible says until he saw him face to face. Until he experienced God's glory. That's why the scriptures here in Psalm 24 say that this is Jacob. This is the generation of Jacob. This is the generation of those who seek him, of those who seek the face of God. You see, I can always tell the ones who know God's glory. Did you hear what I said? I said I can always tell the ones in a church setting like this who know the glory of God who know what I'm preaching about today, who've experienced the glory of God. You want to know how I can tell? One of the first indicators to an individual knowing something about the glory of God, having an encounter, an experience, a head-on collision with the glory of God, is they got a limp. Did you hear what I said? I said they got a limp. 
Can I tell you what? After Jacob wrestled with God himself all night long until he refused to let God go, until God blessed him, until God revealed his face to him, until God revealed his glory unto him. Can I tell you that after that all night experience of wrestling with God, he came out of that thing forever changed. He came out with a limp. I'm telling you what? I know those who know the glory of God because they got a limp about them. Did you hear what I said? I said they got a limp about them. You, you've been through the school of hard knocks. You've been through some hard things and hard situations in your life. People that you never thought would forsake you have forsaken you. People that you never thought would walk out on you have walked out on you. People have misunderstood you. People have lied on you. People have gossiped about you. People you thought would be there to the end stabbed you in the back. You went through some hell. You went through some difficulties. But if through it all you have experienced God's glory and God's power because it's when you're at rock bottom and you don't have nothing left that's when the glory of God shows up in someone's life so never be ashamed of your scars I'm trying to help somebody today You've allowed the church to cause you to have shame about your past and about your scars. Let me tell you, I'm looking around at some people. You've had some shady pasts. You've done some things you'd be absolutely ashamed for it to be revealed on this big screen up here. Never be ashamed of where God brought you from because it's what he brought you out of that he's going to put you on a platform that's going to tell everybody, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. It's because of what you went through. It's because of what you face. It's allowed you to see God's glory, to know God's glory. You see, previously in the church, a generation had been raised up to seek the hand of God. Did you hear what I said? Yesteryear in the church, we were raising up a people. We were raising up a generation that all they knew to seek was the hand of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I appreciate the hand of God. I'm glad the Bible says he upholds me with his righteous right hand. I'm glad to know that it is the hand of God that speaks of power. It speaks of authority. It speaks of, uh, uh, it speaks of miracles, signs, and wonders. But we have been guilty of raising up an entire generation that all they know is this right here, the hand of God. They seek the hand of God. Multitudes fill the altar. God touch me. God heal me. God set me free. God deliver me. God save my children. God give me breakthrough. God give me financial provision. All they're seeking after is the hand of God. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But you see, in this hour, this is what I hear the Holy Spirit say. He said, I'm raising up a generation that no longer is seeking just for my hand and what I can do for them. But this is the generation of Jacob. This is the generation of those who seek him. And this is the generation who's now going to seek my face. They're going to seek me for who I am, not just for what I can do for them. What am I saying to you today? Yes, God wants to bless you. Yes, God wants to heal you. Yes, God wants to prosper 
you. But I'm telling you what, God's interested a whole lot more about your character and your integrity than anything he can do in your life. I love his hand. I thank God for his hand of provision. I thank God for his hand of power. But I'm telling you what, there's a generation that's coming up in the church today that's not just consumed with his hand and what his hand can do for me, but they're seeking after his face and they have developed a mindset and a mentality. If God doesn't do one more thing for me, I'm still going to serve him. If God doesn't bless me one more time, I'm still going to love him. If God doesn't heal me again, I'm still going to devote my very last breath to him that's where we got to be at church this is a generation of those who seek his face you see we will keep ascending until we see his face and until we experience his glory I'm at a place in my life I'm not just seeking for another miracle I know some of you need a miracle Every one of us needs some type of miracle in our life. Nothing wrong. We need miracles. But the problem is, is we're too busy seeking miracles and not the miracle worker. Can I tell you, when you seek the miracle worker, you'll get a miracle. We're too busy seeking blessings and not the one who blesses. Can I tell you, when you seek the blesser, you'll get a blessing. We're too busy seeking deliverance over every ailment in our body, every addiction in our life, besides seeking the deliverer. Can I tell you, if you'll seek the deliverer, you'll find deliverance. So this is the generation those who seek his face. Can I tell you that's what the glory of God is all about? Huh? In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence there's miracles. In his presence there's deliverance. In his presence there is blessings. I love his presence. But what we're after as a church, we're after his glory. I said, we're after his glory. We want to see his face. We want to seek after his face. Not so much about what he can do for me, but, uh, but simply just because of who he is. You see, when your worship is rooted in who he is, rooted in his character, rooted in his characteristics, rooted in, the, in who he is in your life, let me tell you, the devil can't steal your song. But if your worship is rooted in simply and just what you you can get out of him then what about when sickness hits your body what about when your marriage starts acting funny what about when your children are acting rebellious where's your song going to be at then you see when you worship him for who he is it doesn't matter what hell forms against you you'll have a song even in the midnight hour that'll shake the very foundations of the prison that has you bound I said this is the generation of those who seek his face Let's go on, verse 7. This is where I want to land this. I'm talking about the king of glory today. I'm telling you, the king of glory is about to walk up into this place right now. Did you hear what I said? I said the king of glory is about to walk up into this house right now. Are you ready for him? Look what he said in verse 7. David said, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And what? And the king of glory shall come in. Ask this question. Who is 
this king of glory? Here's the answer. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord who is mighty in battle. He goes on, he says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. He asks it a second time. Who is this king of glory? He answers his own question. The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Oftentimes, oftentimes I have wondered, what are these gates? What are these doors that the psalmist is talking about? If your mind's like mine, I, you know, I think of these ancient doors and these gates. So much history with these doors and these gates. That's what I depict, gigantic doors and gates. And the psalmist is saying, lift them up. Open them wide. And if you lift them up and you'll open them wide, he promises us that the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Who is the king of glory? He asked this two times. Can I tell you just in this psalm itself, Psalm 24, it gives us various descriptions of who this king of glory is. You remember a while ago we read verse 1? What did it say? It said, the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So to answer this question, who is the king of glory? We realize that the king of glory is the creator. He is the one who founded the seas. He's the one who spoke the galaxies into existence. He's the one who created this earth and all there is within it. To answer this question, who is the king of glory? Not only is he creator, but he is the owner of this world. Now I know it looks like the devil has control. I know it looks like the devil has the upper hand. But I come to remind somebody, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like in this world, in our culture, in our society. My Bible still says that the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. He's not only our creator, but he is our owner. He owns it all. Somebody look at your neighbor and says he owns it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the potatoes underneath the hill. He's creator. He's owner. He's sovereign. How many knows he's a sovereign God? There's nothing that's caught him by surprise. There's not a medical report that's caught him off guard. He is a sovereign God. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the author and the finisher of your story. If you don't like this chapter, hold on and turn the page because I promise you the next chapter is going to be full of glory. It's going to be full of anointing. It's going to be full of power because our best days are not behind us, but they are before us. It's not the end of your story it might be the end of this chapter praise God but it's not the end of your story because our God is the author he is the finisher he is alpha and he is omega he is the giver of all blessings he is in control he is in charge he is a sustainer and he is a keeper that's who the king of glory is 
The same God that saved you is the same God that will keep you. Did you hear what I said? I don't have to worry about slipping up and losing my salvation overnight because let me tell you, his grace that saved me is a grace that'll keep me. The devil can't cross the bloodline. Did you hear what I said? I said he's a sustainer. He's a keeper. I said I wondered. I used to wonder what were these doors? What were these gates? And just the other day, I received a revelation of what these doors and these gates are. Again, the psalmist said, open up the gates, open the doors wide, and the king of glory shall come in. What are the gates? What are the doors? I come to submit to you today that you are the gate. Did you hear what I said? That you are the door. You say, oh, really? Read it with me again and read it slowly. What did the psalmist say? He said, lift up your heads, O you gates. And be lifted up. What? You everlasting doors. When I read it like that, it was, I mean, it was like something quickened in my spirit. I've always wondered what were the gates. Of course, I want the king of glory. Of course, I want him to show up in my life, in my home, in my family, in my marriage, in the lives of my, of my child. Of course, I want the king of glory in this house. But what is this business of opening up the gates and the doors? What are the gates? What are the doors? And God illuminated it off the pages. He said, read it again. He said, open up you gates. You. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Open up you everlasting doors. What am I saying? If you'll get this revelation, I promise you it's going to change some things in your life. Did you hear what I said? I said, if you receive what the Holy Ghost is saying today, what are the gates? What are the doors? You are the gates. You are the door. I am the gate. I am the door. What am I saying? The king of glory only comes where he is celebrated. I said he only comes where he is celebrated, not where he is just simply tolerated. I've been in many churches as an evangelist and a revivalist. And let me tell you, there were some churches, I'm just being honest, Soon as I walked in, I was ready to walk out the door. Because there's nothing like preaching to a dead people. There's nothing like trying to pour out yourself and what God has put in you to a people that are not receptive, to a people that are dead spiritually. I don't have time for that. And you want to know why so many churches are dried up and dead and stagnant and complacent and are not growing? It's because they simply tolerate the king of glory well God you, you're the one that saved us so we'll give you five minutes today they tolerate his presence they tolerate his glory but they refuse to budge from their little order of service from their method from their style from their tempo they just tolerate 
the king of glory. Can I tell you, the king of glory comes into a place where he is celebrated. <laughs> you know what I love about Set Free Church? Is we don't tolerate him, but we celebrate him. You didn't hear what I said today. You know what makes Set Free a special group of people, a special body of believers? I promise you I've been around the block many a times and you can't find what we have here just anywhere. I'm not tooting our horn. I'm not saying look at any particular person or personality, but I promise you, you go ahead and you go visit some other places. I'm not downing people. We're all the body of Christ, but I promise you what we have here is special. It is unique. It is rare. And that's because we're a people that's after the king of glory. We're a people that's in pursuit of his presence, that is in pursuit of his glory, that's not satisfied with business as usual, but that wants to see a demonstration, a manifestation of the glory of God that will impact generations generations to come you see one of the saddest and I'm going to close with this one of the saddest scriptures as far as I'm concerned in the Bible is found in Revelation chapter 3 when we find Jesus who is the founder of the church who is the chief cornerstone of the church but what makes this particular scripture so sad and so sobering is that we find Jesus no longer in his house being celebrated and esteemed and honored by his people. But where do we find him? On the outside. Knocking at the door of his own church. Saying, if you'll open up the door. If you'll swing wide the gates, I'll come in to you and I'll commune with you and I'll sup with you. I'll have fellowship with you. Is that not what church is supposed to be about? It's not about programs. It's not about religion. It's not about shaking a preacher's hand. It's about sweet communion with the Holy Ghost. He said, open up the door. You're the door. Swing wide the gate. You're the gates. And he said, and I will come in. I will come in. I don't know about y'all, but I want to know that I know that I know that the King of glory is active in my life. That he's moving in me and moving through me. That he is ever present in this place, in this house. So stand to your feet all over this place. Lift up your hands all over this house.